Welcome to the Classroom Commute Podcast, a podcast for elementary teachers who want to feel inspired each week on your ride into school. I'm your host, Rachel, and my goal is to give you simple and actionable 21st century teaching strategies that you can take into your classroom to spark the love of learning in your students. You are already amazing, and together we're going places. Thanks for taking me along for the ride. Hey teachers, happy summer. Have you heard? We're switching things up here on the Classroom Commute podcast and we're trading in our daily drive to school with a summer teacher road trip. What's that mean? Well, each week this summer, we are visiting some of the most popular tourist destinations, aka the most popular podcast episodes of this past school year. So listen in, get re-inspired, and best of all, make sure you have joined our email family so that you can snag some exclusive freebies that only they will get and get access to hot summer deals at the Classroom Nook Teacher Shop. We'll link up all the details in the show notes so you don't miss out. All right, grab your favorite road trip snack and let's get started. Okay, raise your hand if you want to see your students succeed. All right, if I'm being honest, I already know the answer to that question. Of course you want your students to succeed. It's like the main reason you became a teacher, of course, that and having holidays and summers off, if we're being honest, but actually getting our students to be successful is certainly a challenge. I don't have to tell you that. Well, I've actually been doing a lot of research lately on the causes of student success and what specifically helps students to be successful. And if you caught my episode on learning styles a few weeks back, I actually started to unpack a new educational study on whether or not learning styles were a myth or if they actually made an impact on students' ability to learn. So I'm talking about the learning styles like the kinesthetic learners or the visual learners, the audio learners, those ones, all those things that we learned about in school, right? And if you want to hear the results of that study, go back and check out episode 91 of the podcast. I'll link to it in the show notes. It might not reveal what you think, so go check it out. But anyways, I referenced that episode because I really became super interested in the ways that students learn and the ways that we as teachers can help support our students. And I'm really challenging these methods and philosophies and best teaching practices that I know I was taught in college and grad school. And what I'm finding out is that although there are some tried and true teaching methods that kind of stand the test of time, there is cause for some really true reflection on what are best teaching practices. What's working right now in the classrooms and what are the needs of today's students? Because they're not necessarily the needs of 10 years ago's students or beyond that. So I actually wanted to invite you along on this journey of researching and studying. Don't worry, I'll do the hard work. I'll do the researching and the studying and I will come to you and present it. But I wanted to invite you to enjoy me so that we can all become better educators and supporters of our students. So over the next few episodes, I'll be sharing what I've been finding in some of these most recent educational research studies. But don't worry, I'm not gonna just throw a whole bunch of research data at you because that would be boring. (laughs) I'm going to give you some actionable strategies for your classroom so that we can take what we're learning and apply it directly to your students in your classroom and the ones that you're teaching today. So to bring it back to my original question that I just posed to you, do you want your students to be successful? And because I already know that your answer is yes, I want to give you three actionable tips or strategies for increasing student 
success. And these are going to be really actionable. They're going to be really specific things that you can do right now in your classroom to help your students become more successful. So let's dive right in. Tip number one for increasing student success is to chunk information. Our students are so often in informational overload in all areas of their life. We are an overstimulated society and are constantly having to take in and process so much information on a daily basis. And our brain efforts are constantly battling for what piece of information is the most important. So by the time your students even reach you in the morning as you start your school day, their brains have likely already taken in so much information from the directions their parents are giving them to do this or do that before the school bus comes or even just the gossip that they hear on the school bus, whatever it is, they're taking in so much information. I'm even just thinking back to this morning when my daughter was getting ready for school and all the information that I threw out there at her, you know, make your bed, take out the recycling, don't forget your mask, don't forget a backup mask. And to be honest, I probably gave her all that information at once. I didn't give her direction A and wait for direction A to be completed before spewing out direction B. I gave it to her all at once. And no wonder she's not completing any of the directions because I've given her too much information. Many of our students can't handle too much information at once. I know even as an adult, I can't handle too much information at once. And I'm not even just talking about directions specifically. I gave that example, but I'm talking about all information. And although we definitely want to be mindful of how much information we're giving in our directions, I'm also talking about being mindful about chunking the information as we teach new concepts to our students. I think as teachers, because of the pressure that we are often so much to get through the curriculum and just power through, we often pack too much information into one learning session. And not only that, we cram too much information in one visual. So by that, I mean, you know, think about your anchor slides or however you might present information to your students. How busy are they? Do you have too much text covering multiple pieces of content? Are you trying to cover too many pieces of new information on one slide or one anchor chart on your paper? When we chunk information, we are intentional about only presenting a few new pieces of information at a time so that students can take it in and process it. For example, when I create a linktivity, I am very intentional about how much information I am putting in one view, in one slide. I take one new piece of information and I present that same piece of information multiple ways. The key here is that it's the same information multiple ways. So take my linktivity on plants, for example. In one of the sections of the linktivity, students are learning about plant life cycle. So they click on the plant life cycle category and they're brought to a slide that shows all of the stages of the plant cycle in that format that you're likely seeing where it's a little circle and the arrow points from one stage to the next stage and it kind of just creates one big circle showing students that it's a cycle, it repeats itself. So on this slide, they're learning that the plant life cycle has a specific structure and flow. Starts with the seed, goes to the seedling, then goes to young plant and so on. But I am not including information about what happens at each stage. I'm only having students look at the structure and the flow of a plant life cycle. Then they click on each stage and they learn only about that stage. So they'll click on the seed inside the whole life cycle and they're brought to a slide that explains that stage of life, just about the seed. They read about it. They see an image that reinforces what the text is saying. And then they can, you know, even have the text read to them if they need that support. So I've chunked 
only the information about the seed on one slide. And there's lots of white space so that students aren't processing too much information, too many graphics all at once. They can only focus on learning about this particular stage and they're learning about that stage in multiple ways, by text, by photos, and by audio. If they were to read this same information in a textbook, for example, I'm willing to bet that the entire life cycle would be talked about and explained on one or two pages, including tons of texts and tons of images all at once. And if any of your students were like me when I was a kid, and let's be honest how I am still now, they're easily distracted by looking ahead at the next life cycle, even if you're still talking about the first stage. So there's too much information in one place that they can't focus on one thing at a time. When I created my Linktivity on World War I, students learn about one battle at a time. They see only about one battle on the slide. All the images, all the text, and in some case, some video clips that they see on the slide are all about that one battle. I'm chunking the information so that I'm only asking students to think about one event at a time. So I encourage you to think about how you can be more intentional about chunking information that you're teaching your students so they don't go into processing overload. Think about the anchor slides that you're creating, whether they're digital or paper. How much information do you really need to have and present to students at one time? Can you space it out over multiple slides on your presentation? Can you put just one example on one slide and leave lots of white space so that your students aren't distracted by too many other things? When you think about creating mini lessons for a readers or writers workshop, pick one skill that you want to teach your students and give a couple of examples about that same skill. Don't try to cover how to do it in fiction and then also cover how to do that skill in nonfiction and so on. Be specific and give them space to really learn that one piece of information. Chunk the information and your students will be able to process it a whole lot easier. The second tip to increase student success is to present new information, unfamiliar information, with familiar tasks and activities. So here's what I mean. And this goes along with what I was just talking about earlier with the process overload. So often we ask our students to learn new information and learn a new process for learning that information at the same time. For example, maybe you do literacy centers during your reader's workshop time. So of course, during the year, you're gonna be teaching different skills and strategies throughout the school year. At one point, you might be covering how to teach making connections. And at another time of the year, you might be talking about how to analyze characters. But the process for how they learn that information doesn't have to be different. For example, you might have a listening center that students rotate through. Of course, students are gonna be listening to a different story each time that they're sitting and visiting at the listening center but you could provide some consistency with the activities they're completing there. Maybe they listen to a new story, but the activity that they complete follows the same flow, follows the same type of directions, so that they get really good at the process of what they're supposed to be doing, but they can just apply that same process or that activity or task to a new story for the week. Now that's not to say that you can never switch up the types of activities that you do, but give them some time to complete the same types of activities over and over so that they can just focus on learning and applying the new skill and not trying to figure out the new directions for a new kind of activity at the same time. So I'll use my Linktivities again as an example. Right now, my team and I are creating a series of grammar Linktivities. They're called Geogrammar, and the tagline is exploring grammar and the world together. 
We wanted to find a way to make teaching grammar more fun and interesting because we all know that grammar is often boring and blah for our students. And it's not really a fun thing to teach either. So each time a student learns a new grammar skill, they use a linktivity that takes them to a new destination on earth as they learn about that skill. The focus is still on the skill, but the skill is presented in a way that showcases that destination. So when they're learning about nouns, they are traveling to Egypt to learn about nouns and they learn about the nouns that they find in Egypt, like a pharaoh is a person and Cairo is a place and hieroglyphs are things. So we're not taking away from teaching the skill itself, but we are trying to present it in a more exciting way. And for each geogrammar linktivity, we've set it up the same. So they first come to a home slide that has three categories. The first category is called at a glance. The second category is called a closer look. And the third category is called discovery zone. And at each at a glance category, students are taken to a slide that introduces the grammar skill. So let's say they're talking about nouns. So it'll say, what is a noun? And they will first get a definition of a noun and they'll see a few examples. Again, this showcases what I was referring to earlier about chunking. I'm only asking students on this slide to focus on what is a noun and see a couple of examples so that they can understand it and see it in practice. Then they visit the closer look section and here they watch a short video about nouns. And of course, all while watching it, we're showing pictures that would be related to Egypt and highlighting nouns that are found in Egypt. And this video walks them through several practice sentences of identifying nouns. And then finally, they go to the discovery zone. And this is where they do a drag and drop activity for identifying nouns in each sentence. And to make it more fun, there's some short travel trivia fact boxes that helps give them some context about the sentences that they're reading. So for example, if they're reading a sentence about Cleopatra, they first need to identify Cleopatra as the noun, and then they can also read a quick fact that tells who Cleopatra is. And these linktivities are real short and sweet. They're only about one skill at a time. And once they've learned this linktivity format, once they learn what happens in the at a glance section and what they're supposed to do at the closer look section and how they're supposed to do the drag and drop activities in the discovery zone section, now when they go to learn about verbs or adjectives, adjectives or commas in a series, they don't have to learn a new method or type of activity. The same process follows them through every single geogrammar linktivity, but they're just learning a new skill. They know exactly what to do when they pick up their device, their Chromebook, their iPad, whatever it is, and they know that they click the link, they get started, and they know exactly what to expect. So think about how you can set up familiar tasks and activities in your classroom where students can really learn and master a process or a specific type of activity and apply it to new skills and topics rather than learning a new process and new skills at the same time. All right, my final tip to help you increase student success is to assess students only on the skills and try to eliminate all other barriers. Here's what I mean. You likely have struggling readers in your classroom. I've never met a teacher who didn't. And so here you are teaching maybe fourth or fifth grade science or social studies. And the information that students are trying to consume is written in fourth and fifth grade reading levels. Now take a student who is reading at say a second grade reading level and now they're not only being asked to learn about you know the human body system if that's what your lesson is about but they're being asked to learn about it through fourth and fifth grade reading levels which is way above what they can do on their own. How successful is that student going to be? 
Now, here's the thing. It's not that that student who's reading at a second grade reading level can't understand that in the digestive system, you chew the food and swallow it, goes down the esophagus and works its way through the stomach and the intestines and so on. That's not the problem. They can understand the concept, but they just can't read about it well enough to learn the new information. The reading level is the barrier that is holding them back. So now when we go to assess that student on their knowledge of the human body system, They don't know it because they weren't able to read well enough to learn it. They're unable to show what they've learned. It's an invalid assessment. Now, instead, if we can eliminate the reading barrier and provide the necessary support, in this case, it could have come in the form of providing audio that has the text read to them or by reading it to them yourself or having them work in partners or reading it as a class. There's a number of ways that we can remove that reading barrier. Now, once we've removed that barrier, now we can actually assess the skill. Now we can actually see, do they understand the concept? Not whether or not they were able to read it to understand the concept, but whether they understand the concept in isolation. And actually early on, one of my most asked for features for Linktivities was to have an audio feature that read to the students. So once I added this feature, I had so many teachers reach out and say, yes, even my struggling readers can finally be successful with your Linktivity on the Civil War or your Linktivity on how to synthesize because the text was read to them and they now understand, you know, the events of the Civil War, whatever it was. By providing a read to me audio feature, we removed the barrier of the reading level and now they can just focus on the skill or the content that they're trying to learn. And on the flip side, Maybe your student struggles with handwriting and their handwriting is atrocious. Allow them to type their responses so that they can actually be assessed on whether they learned what you wanted them to learn without you having to decipher their writing. And of course, I'm not saying that you never have to have your students, you know, work at their reading and writing skills to increase them so that they are reading and writing on grade level. What I am suggesting is that when you are trying to assess in other content areas or something that is not related specifically to the topics of reading and writing, eliminate those barriers as much as we can so that we can assess the skill that you're really trying to teach them. All right, there you have it. Three actionable tips for increasing student success. Here they are once again. Number one, you can increase student success by chunking information so that students can focus on one new piece of information at a time and avoid that information overload. The second tip is to increase student success by presenting unfamiliar and new information in familiar and mastered processes and activities so that they aren't learning new information and new processes at the same time. And then the third tip is to increase student success by eliminating barriers like reading and writing barriers and assess the skill or topic that you really want to be assessing. And I know I've referred to Linktivities a lot throughout this episode, and that's because increasing student success is exactly what I've set out to do through Linktivities. Linktivities are designed to break up new information into manageable chunks, so it's not information overload, and they are all created with a similar look and feel and format so that all students need to do is focus on what the Linktivity is teaching and not focus on how to navigate to this slide or that slide. They already know that because they've been taught it, they've practiced it, and it's just rinse and repeat with a new skill or strategy or content area. And Linktivities have built with your diverse learners in mind and have the necessary supports like audio, like other multimedia features embedded right in the Linktivity itself so that you can eliminate any learning barriers and set your students up for success. 
So if all of that sounds like a dream come true and you want to get access to the entire growing library of Linktivities, all past and future Linktivities in one place, then you can learn more about joining Linktivity Learning. It's an all access pass membership to my entire vault of Linktivities for one low monthly or annual price. All you need to do is head over to classroomnook.com forward slash Linktivity, L-I-N-K, T-I-V-I-T-Y. And if you want to try out a Linktivity for free and just see what it looks like and how it feels, and if you want to see how all the things that I've talked about in this episode actually look in practice, then you can grab a completely free Linktivity at classroomnook.com forward slash free Linktivity, all one word. All right, that is all I have for you today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day and I will be back again next week with another episode. Bye for now. 